When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dr. C here. Before we begin, I'd like to make sure that you're aware that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is a leading provider of online therapy, and they provide video, phone, or live chat sessions with a licensed professional therapist. It's affordable, and you can connect with your therapist within 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to our Surviving Narcissism listeners, they'll offer a 10% discount for your first month of professional therapy. All you have to do is go to BetterHelp.com, that's BetterHelp.com, slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. I know that many of you would find online therapy to be quite life-changing, and so go to BetterHelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast, and many thanks to the people at BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast with your host, Dr. Les Carter. I'm Michaela, the Program Director, and in today's episode, Dr. Carter will discuss the trait that eventually reveals covert narcissism. Hello, Team Healthy. I'm so pleased to be with you here again. Hey, I'm going to talk with you today about something that can be difficult at first to figure out, but once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. I want to talk with you about the characteristic that eventually shows you that you're dealing with a covert narcissist, okay? Now, let's keep in mind that I've had so many individuals that I've spoken to through the years in my counseling office and beyond who will say, well, I was with this person, and at first it seemed really nice. This individual seemed so normal and engaging and pleasant and decent, and we had plenty of good coordination, But then over time, I began feeling less and less comfortable to the extent that I began wondering, is this person really more toxic than what I really imagined that it might be? And eventually, when if that person is truly the covert narcissist, the answer will reveal itself to be, oh, yes, there's a lot of toxicity, but part of the gig or part of the uh, the goal that covert narcissists have is they don't want you to know what's really going on inside their minds. Now, I want to go back and underscore these individuals have all of the uh, the primary characteristics of narcissism. They, they are very self-absorbed. They want to be in control, and we're going to hold on to that one, and I'm going to come back to that. 
they they feel like they they have this superiority over other individuals. They're willing to manipulate and exploit, which is part of the hidden element of what covert narcissism is all about. They don't have real deep empathy for you, uh, but instead they uh, they they live behind the shield of a false self, which means they can be very uh, defensive and uh, they can you know kind of have the the notion that says you may think you know me, but you really don't. With covert narcissists, they have decided that the greatest skill that they can come up with is to try to blend in with the environment around them without drawing too much attention to all of those characteristics that I just mentioned. Uh, These individuals in their deep history realized, okay, I know it's all about me, but I've got to be real careful that I, I look right. I've got to be careful that I show myself to be mainstream. I want people to know that I can do achievements. I don't want to get in too much trouble because that draws too much attention to me. And so they can uh, they can kind of go along with uh, the con- uh, conforming to certain standards that other individuals have, but it's more of a chameleon thing as they get older. And ultimately, covert narcissists buy into what I refer to as the agenda, capital T, capital A. It's like, okay, there's a certain way that things are supposed to be around here. And if you can look this way and talk this way and believe this way and present yourself this way, then you're going to go, well, it's all about making good grades. It's about passing judgment. And as a result, these individuals have figured out the system. And so, but it's important for you to realize that even though they're doing that, they're in survival mode and survival mode kind of with a a hidden fear because it's like, I don't want people to know that deep down I dislike them or I feel insecure or I feel inadequate or I, I have other plans that they just don't know about yet. These individuals have learned to be very coy. Now, as they go into their relationships with others, there are certain elements, shall we call it, that's part of their mindset that maybe you don't realize right up front, but they hold it in their minds. In their minds, that they th- one of the elements is they, they honestly think of other individuals as being deficient. It's like quietly the covert narcissist thinks, well, <laughs> there's me, and then there's the rest of you people out there. And as a result, as they engage with other individuals in their mind, uh, they're thinking, well, I don't like the way you did it here, here, and here. And in addition, uh, they tend to other people. You're either in my club or you're not in my club. And if you're not in my club, what are you doing to, uh, wasting space in my world? Uh, in their mind, they can have uh, simple criticisms that they hold on to, and uh, they can come at it first as micro-criticisms, if you will, but over a period of time, you realize that the criticism is deeply embedded. Now, the characteristic that I'm focused on or the thing that I watch for that tells me that this person has uh, a much deeper inclination towards narcissism than what they let on to you is, is simply this. Covert narcissists operate with a great deal of what I call imperative thinking. You've probably heard me use that term before, imperative thinking. Now, let's go back to our grammar school days and recall what an imperative sentence is. When we say something's imperative, we're very command-oriented, very directive, do this, don't do that. 
in the imperative mindset, the, that person thinks there's a certain way that things are supposed to be, get after it and let's do it. And as a result, they have key words that are embedded in their way of thinking and engaging with the world. These are what I just simply call the imperative words, have to, must, can't, should, supposed to, got to, need to, had better. You know, In other words, there's a fixed way that things are supposed to be. Why can't people be that way? Uh, you'll notice that they already have bought into their own uh, self-directed imperatives. I'd better not let people know that uh, that I think this way, or I can't reveal certain flaws, or uh, you shouldn't uh, let people see you get too upset, or uh, you'd better cater to me. And, that, and they have all of these shoulds and supposed tos and have tos that guide them anyway. But over time, it becomes bigger and bigger, and uh, the inclination is deeper and deeper. Now, as you uh, begin seeing their propensity towards imperative thinking, and by the way, if it makes you feel any better, you're not alone if you think, well, wait a minute, I have some imperative thoughts of my own. Well, we all do. Uh, but healthy individuals realize, well, wait a minute, I, I know that there are musts and have tos and shoulds and supposed tos, but I don't want to so build my world around that that I, uh, I can't deal with differences or I can't allow people just the privilege to be who they are. Uh, covert narcissists don't get to that place. Instead, um, they have many of their own personal issues that they refuse to deal with because <clears throat> I shouldn't let or other individuals see me. I can't reveal who I really am. And as a result, they're in a constant competitive mindset. Um, in their way of thinking, it's like, well, I like to prove to myself that I, well, I'm special, I'm better. Look at you over there. And so in their imperative thinking with that attitude of critical, uh, uh, attitude of critical thinking, uh, they have this notion that says, you shouldn't have been this way, you ought, ought not to be that way. And so they, uh, they take delight in finding what's wrong with other individuals. And over time, they can't just completely hide it. Now, it may not be of a uh, terribly you know, malicious way at first that they communicate it, but they can uh, they can imply, well, look at that person over there. I don't know why they keep thinking that way or what would possess someone to do that. And you'll notice that uh, over time as they get to know you better or more uh, relaxed in your presence, those kind of thoughts pop out a little bit more normal than uh, you would uh, be comfortable with. They think in terms of shame, part of them being covert, uh, hiding who they really are is uh, they feel their own shame. They they harbor this sense that says, "Well, if I find something, if, if people find something wrong with me, it's not going to work out well with me." But instead of uh, of taking a look at what that might imply for themselves, what they do is they decide, "Well, I'll tell you what." If I can find right, uh, reasons to shame other individuals, that somehow diminishes my feelings of shame. And so uh, they can think, you know, not only are you uh, doing things wrong, there's something really dreadfully awful about who you are. And and so when we talk about shame, they, uh, they begin to look at your character as being terribly deficient. Uh, in addition, uh, you'll find that they, uh, they, they like to do some one-upping. 
in the way that they encounter other individuals or discuss problems. For example, let's suppose you say, well, uh, I've got this plan today and here's what I'm going to do. And then that covert narcissist in their imperative thinking may think, well, yeah, that's a good way, but really if you want to do it right, then uh, here's the better way to go. Or it can be something as simple as you say, well, I'm going to this restaurant, and then that person can say, well, uh, that's okay, but if you really want to impress people, go to this other one instead. And and as a result, um, they can just constantly be one-upping. And again, some of those kinds of uh, comments may not uh, be completely off-base. Sometimes we just say things, but covert narcissists do that on a constant kind of basis. Uh, in addition, and this is huge, uh, these individuals, and this goes back to the thing about their control, they have a real difficult time allowing others the privilege to prioritize for themselves. In other words, to be free. In their minds, it's like, but there's a certain way things need to be done. And when you know it happens to be my way. And as a result, when you show yourself to be unique, when you show yourself to have uh, distinctions that don't match up, and it may not be a matter of ultimate correct or incorrect, it's just who you are, that covert narcissist is thinking, I'm pretty uncomfortable with that independent streak you have over there. And as a result, uh, they can uh, become quietly non-cooperative, or they may go back to that, why would you do something of that nature? Uh, that being the case, with this imperative thinking intact, these individuals have just an ongoing undertow of tension and frustration because, of course, you know and I know that you may have the agenda of the way that everything is supposed to be, but guess what? Uh, the world doesn't always line up according to the agenda as dictated by that narcissist. And as a result, they're thinking, well, it needs to. Why can't you be this way? And so these individuals can have their annoyances and their agitations that they can't completely contain. Um, I, I, I can just think of so many illustrations of that covert narcissist just kind of doing the, the huff. And the, the agitation, the annoyance, and then when you ask them, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, I guess so. But in, in doing so, they're implying something different, something outside my comfort zone happened. You shouldn't really be doing that. In other words, your independence, your free choices don't line up with who I think you ought to be. And as a result, you'll, you'll eventually start feeling a little bit more guarded and calculated around that person. Um, you'll notice then that that covert narcissist just has this constant need to be correct. Uh, you know, uh, there's a procedure that needs to be done at work, or there's the way that you talk with kids about managing things, or there's something going on with the, uh, with the schedule, or uh, who knows what it might be. And it's like, well, I already know the way it needs to unfold. And if you say, but I'm different, well, you're different and you're also wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. And so they go into that black and white kind of thinking. And it illustrates that, frankly, there's a type of psychological laziness that they fall back into. Because you see, when you have decided, well, life is supposed to play along with the imperative agenda, and I'm the one that gets to write that imperative agenda, then case case closed. We don't have to think anymore. And that's what I mean when I say being psychologically lazy. When you're in relationships, there's all sorts of challenges that we have 
or uh, efforts that we need to make, it's like, well, this person's not the same as me. Let me step inside that individual's world with him and find out what I might be able to learn. Well, that takes a certain amount of willingness to grow and stretch and work. And the narcissist is like, mm, I don't do that. Just, just be what I tell you to be. Come on. That's their psychological laziness. They, they fear being in the powerless position. And so they hold on to their sense of correctness. They hold on to their, um, uh, their need to, uh, to lord themselves over. All the while, they're still trying to present themselves publicly as friendly and pleasant and all the rest because that's the, uh, the false self that's there. So uh, you can see that the, the covert narcissist may not be as loud and abrasive and pushy and forceful in the way that they uh, engage, much like their, uh, some, uh, like their overt counterparts uh, may do. But we go back to the core definition of narcissism. It's defined by selfishness, and it's defined by a very high level of control. These individuals have to stay in control, and uh, and then when they uh, when they don't get their way, or when things don't unfold in the fashion that they would wish, then internally it's like I'm the victim now. Look how you're making my life miserable, and the imperatives are in full in, uh, in full. Uh, in, uh, they're fully intact. You know, you didn't do it. Uh, live life the way that you were supposed to live. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One of them is entitled Free to Be, Finding Yourself Despite the Controllers in Your Life. Now, inside this course are various modules, and inside each module, it breaks down into various lessons with a video, teaching documents, and then also questions that go along with it. For example, inside Free to Be, you'll learn how controllers want to invite you into their games, but then you'll also learn about the seven principles of freedom, how to develop self-trust, and much more. Now, if you are interested in enrolling in the classes, you could go to our survivingnarcissism.tv website, click the link for courses, and you'll find that one and others. And I hope that you would find them to be quite therapeutic. And now back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. Now, it's rather sad when you begin realizing there's uh, there's so much of this commitment to the false self and to that tight defensive agenda that they operate with. But once you start going inside the world of understanding covert narcissists, you realize multiple things about who they are and what's really driving them from the inside out. Uh, keep in mind that uh, the reason they're being covert is they fear being vulnerable. They fear somebody else coming along saying, I don't like the way you did this, or I don't like how you think, or you were wrong. Somewhere in their deep history, they learned the world out there is going to get you. I can't trust people. There are people who want to dominate me. And so they decided that they're going to just get inside that, that type of battle and they're going to win the control game, but they're going to do it in a, in much more of a, uh, um, a, a reasoned uh, kind of a way as opposed to just blurting it all out. But these individuals in their fear remain stuck in what I might refer to as the all about me space. They just don't want to be pulled out thinking, but there 
are another 8 billion people out there on this planet. And there are 8 billion different ways to uh, understand the world. No, it's all about me. And, and we have to have everybody filter it through me. These individuals uh, uh, live behind a wall of defensiveness. They don't want to receive input because receiving input from other individuals in their way of thinking means, well, I must be deficient because I don't know everything. So they have to portray themselves as knowing everything. They, they've never really learned, though, how to uh, consistently manage their own tensions and their own conflicts, uh, or their intrapersonal and interpersonal. And rather than saying, well, I've got some growth that I need to do, and you're with me, why don't you grow with me? Uh, tell me what you notice. I, I, I recall so well a person that was uh, really working hard to get away from some old family patterns of narcissism. And this person, uh, I had known him for quite some time. This person said, um, can you just be real honest with me and tell me what it is that you see in me that probably needs to be adjusted most? And I knew this person well enough to know that that was a big deal for him to speak to me that way. And uh, I said, well, and I uh, listed, there's, there's this one thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, A, B, and C. And he looked at me, shaking his head up and down, like, yep, I, I know that I do that, and I didn't know if other people noticed that. It's like, well, don't we all have our things that we need to do differently? And he and I had this wonderful conversation about his commitment to growth and how these kind of ingredients had gotten on the inside. Narcissists will not have that kind of conversation with you. They can't. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> that, that means vulnerability. That means I'm taking my mask off. I have to, there's the imperative, I have to keep up the veneer. Uh, these individuals are so committed to um, perceptions as opposed to reality that they cannot be authentic. They've concluded the world is far too hostile to trust anyone. So when you have this kind of thing in front of you, um, it's going to leave you, as you begin uh, realizing what's going on, it's going to leave you feeling a bit perplexed, particularly if you're thinking, you know, I'm trying to grow away from all of that. I, I don't want to be that kind of person, nor do I want to associate with that kind of an individual. And as a result, you're going to find yourself more and more on the outs with that person. Because when you imply through your uh, comments or through your behaviors and attitudes, hey, let's stretch. Let's grow. Let's uh, examine complexities with each other. And when I say complexities, we have different emotional reactions. We have different opinions and beliefs and priorities and preferences. Why don't we just kind of go into a learning mode and try to find out why we, uh, and when I say we, it may be you and me, or it may be the collective, all of us, why we think and prioritize differently. Would you like to join me? And the covert narcissist, uh, particularly over a sustained period of time, it's like, no, I can't do that. There's one word that uh, these covert narcissists are deeply co conflicted over, and I've used it already here today when I say independence. Uh, covert narcissists, all narcissists, but especially the covert, is deeply threatened by the word freedom. Um when I, there would be times when I would have family members in my counseling office together, 
And uh, whenever I would begin picking up on the fact that one person in particular had the agenda for all the other people in the room, uh, I would throw out that word freedom. Uh, and I would say, why don't we establish the fact that each person has the freedom to think and feel and prioritize as they choose. And then as we uh, can be open about that, then we can learn how to blend. Boy, when I would use that word freedom, there would be somebody, some of them that would just, you could just almost see the, the hair stand up on the back of their neck. It's like, uh-uh-uh, we don't talk about that word here. And, and, I, and I, would, I would eventually sometimes even ask, why do you find that to be so disarming? Uh, sometimes you have to use kinder words like, why are you so threatened? Uh, but why, why is that, uh, that other person's freedom so disarming? And inevitably, with to the narcissist, it's like, because they'll do stuff wrong or they'll make my life miserable. Again, it's all about me. And uh, and then there would be this uh, an, an, an additional element that I would talk to individuals about when we use that word freedom. It's like, well, actually, you may actually find greater cohesiveness, not splinteredness, but cohesiveness, when we allow a certain amount of freedom to be there inside the relationship. And that would be one of those notions that they couldn't wrap their minds around to save their life. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, let, let's suppose that uh, that I have somebody in my world and, and I have a reputation of saying, here's the way things ought to be. In other words, I'm the imperative person. How willing is that other individual going to be to say, oh, well, since you have the agenda, I'm going to share all sorts of different kind of thoughts. Most people, when you're being imperative uh, with them, it's like, okay, I have to filter way too much. And so it shuts down communication. Now, let's take the same thought, though, and say, well, what if I have a reputation when I'm with certain people? And my reputation is when you're in my presence, you're free to be who you are. If you have different beliefs or interpretations or feelings or reactions, I'd like to know about that. In other words, I'm not going to try to cram you immediately into my mold. Then what kind of reaction am I going to have? And typically, if there's going to be any form of cohesion that's going to emerge, it's through freedom that we find it. Because uh, along with that message that says you're free to be who you are, are other unspoken but healthy messages like, I accept you, I feel no need to lord over you, I consider you to be an equal, if we're going to build trust, we need to have openness, and so I'd like to engender a, a, uh, or foster an atmosphere for openness. The, the, uh, the mind of freedom allows for those kinds of qualities to come through, and then we can still discuss how to coordinate, and uh, if necessary, what boundaries and stipulations and parameters we're going to operate with, but that kind of thinking is far too complex for the narcissist. The narcissist is like, but I've lived my whole life trying to stay inside this prescribed mold and maintain a certain image and to say that I'm free to explore all of my flaws or differences or idiosyncrasies and you're free too, that doesn't fit. And so they go back to the conformity and, and, uh, and all the rest that goes with it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that as you're able to see the, uh, the strong bent that these covert narcissists have for creating this plastic image and then operating as if everything's okay, 
You'll also see, though, that there's so much conflict that they carry on the inside because words like authenticity and openness are just so difficult for them. Uh, instead, they want you to be subordinate, uh, and they'll they'll lie easily or they'll cover up, and uh, then they project shame onto you, like I'm mentioning. So it's going to be necessary for us as we see what is really going on behind the scenes with the covert narcissist for us to come up with a whole different kind of mindset, keeping in mind that uh, the, the easiest trait that you can watch for that reveals the fact that they're strongly narcissistic is they keep going back to that agenda. Here's the way things ought to be. And I'm, I'm hoping instead you can think, you know, I like being correct, but there are so many other ingredients that I like as well that can go alongside with that. Um, when, when you have that hard imperativeness, you forget things like kindness. I can be kind. And that's so more, that's so much more important than having to have everything line up in the imperative agenda style. Or I want to, I want to be somebody that knows how to love. And uh, love implies accepting you right where you are and having a certain form of patience. I want to have a sense of self-restraint. Uh, as opposed to being uh, superimposing over other individuals. I want to have a, an, an insight uh, desire. I want to know what's behind the, the veneer that people have, and I want you to see what's behind my veneer. I want to have a sense of openness and authenticity and goodness. Those uh, kind of characteristics, yeah, maybe uh, intellectually, the uh, the covert narcissist will say, well, sure, I do that too. But those kind of things, like I say, they, they're, they're too psychologically lazy to figure out what it really means. And as a result, they stay stuck in their much more simplistic black and white thinking that's all about me. That's what you're dealing with. So to me, anyway, it's, it's really easy to, to line up and say, well, here's the way things are supposed to be. Here are my imperatives. Here's the agenda. Here's how I'm, uh, things are supposed to unfold. It's much more challenging and uh, expansive to say, well, I have my thoughts and feelings, but you have yours. Let's talk. I'm hoping that that's a space that you can go into over and over. And as you do, uh, I'm hoping you'll find that uh, actually more harmony and uh, co cohesiveness can come from that kind of approach. But because covert narcissists are so tight and so insistent that things have to be the way that I say they need to be, despite all of the outward pleasantries that they may project, that's what's really held holding them captive. Know what you're dealing with and then realize when they simply cannot move off of that pattern of thinking, you're dealing with somebody who's stuck in pre-adolescent thinking, uh, and as a result, they're not able to enter into that deeper adult mindset that, that emphasizes all these, these other healthy alternatives. So sometimes it takes a while for this pattern of covert narcissist to be uh, revealed in its fullest sense. But uh, like I say, they're so, com uh, they're so committed to that false self that over time they just can't get out of that. And once you see it, know what you're dealing with and then make your adjustments and, and, uh, or adjust your expectations accordingly. 
Well, Team Healthy, one of the things I'm wanting to, uh, to do is I'm wanting to keep you in an informed position where you're feeling like you know and understand what, what you're up against. And as you do, then you can make your own healthy adjustments. And then, frankly, you can choose how deeply you need to stay in a relationship with that or if you need to uh, pull way back. Or in some cases, uh, once you begin seeing uh, the covert narcissism for what it is, sometimes you just need to pull back completely. But uh, nonetheless, I'm hoping that you uh, are uh, finding yourself stimulated by the education process, the insight process, and I'm hoping that you can say, I'm committed to openness, authenticity, uh, love, humility, and all of the things that go uh, counter to what that covert narcissist stands for, and I make no apology for that. Okay, guys, I uh, hope this gives you some good things to think about. Join me over on my YouTube channel as well, and, and uh, I will see you next time. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. Thank you for listening. Surviving Narcissism is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. You can find more content from Dr. Carter on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Surviving Narcissism, as well as on his website, survivingnarcissism.tv. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We are so glad to have you on Team Healthy.